You're listening to... No, that's not real. You're listening to The Heidi Rue Show. Yeah, that's better. Inspiring. Entertaining. Real. The Heidi Rue Show. Today, I have Jen Pate with me. She uh, is from Zifty.com. She's a vice president and partner of Zifty.com. And Zifty started in uh, 2003, and it's a food delivery service. It's actually Atlanta's longest-running food delivery service. This is before everything else. Um, So I'm so excited to have Jen with me. And a little bit of background. So Jen and I got to know each other through my business coach and counselor, Sean who has been on the podcast, Sean Haywood, uh, from Liberate My Life. Uh, I've talked about her a lot. Um, But she connected Jen and I, and Jen really helped me kind of mentor me when I was doing the blog, the Parties for Pennies blog, and gave me so much wisdom and insight and uh, spent time with me through coffee and just sharing her knowledge, and I'm so grateful. So this is such a treat that now we get to share you with a lot of other people. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm I'm very much a taker in this relationship. <laughs> I'm realizing. <laughs> I don't th- I don't see it that way. <laughs> okay. <good. laughs> yeah. So take me back, Jen, to 2003. Like, where were you when you first found Zifty, and how that all start? Sure. So um, I had just made a leap out of corporate America. I was very much the 80s child. You know, I'm going to be vice president of Disney and. That didn't stay romantic or sexy for long. Yeah. And so I quit right kind of as I was turning 30. And I was debating about what I wanted to do next. And of all places, I saw help wanted delivery driver in the back of creative loafing. And I don't even know why I was <laughs> looking at that at that point in my career. Um, so I it drew my curiosity and I looked it up and it was just a landing page and I couldn't find any other positions. And I thought, well, I'll just apply under the guise of being a driver to go in and meet this team yeah. and say, hey, I should be your marketing business development person, assuming they didn't have one. So that's how I found it. Creative wow. loafing. Yeah. And at that time, were you like, wait, what is a vo- food delivery service? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think <laughs> about it, I mean, Cosmo and Webvan had already come and gone. Okay. So there had been a little bit of on demand that had happened, but it. I knew just enough to be like, this would be something really new Mm. and exciting that doesn't exist. So I wanted to explore it further. Is that kind of what drew you to is thinking, okay, I could be on the ground floor of something that could be big and huge. Absolutely. And so, um, and then on the flip side, you know, Todd's looking at my application and thinking, you know, Todd, the founder of the company, thinking, why is she applying to be a driver for $7 an hour? And uh, so we met and this team of people was really just one person in a room, you know, really small computer. Um, He's in his 20s getting his PhD at Georgia Tech. and, And that's really that's how we met, and that's how our partnership grew from that day on. So did you start driving? No, what or? happened was, I yes, I said, I'm going to do deliveries, but I also said, uh, a couple days later, came back with a proposal and said, mm-hmm. I'd like to become your business partner. I'd like to earn equity. I don't expect any kind of salary, um, but you're he can write code in his sleep and I can develop a culture and I can develop mm-hmm. relationships and business. And so we really are complete opposites, and that's why I think we've made – to be perfect or not perfect, but great business partners, yeah. you know, because we're so different. Well, did you ever have like a fear or a doubt when you, because I would think at that or young of an age too, to be able to go, you know what, I can, yeah, I could partner in this company and I could make it something really great. Was that scary or did you just no. think, no, I'm so excited about this I'm so opportunity? excited. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I'm just wired that way. I've been mm-hmm. starting things 
you know, much to my parents' demise, you know, since I was eight, you know, they're like, what is she selling in the backyard? Uh, so, no, it was it was exciting. I kind of felt like all my experience in corporate America kind of led up to taking this chance and just I was beyond excited than, than scared. Mm -hmm. Change and new things don't scare me. Yeah. Being doing the same thing every day does. So uh, can you share with us like some of the crazy things that you sold then as a kid growing up? Oh, yeah. Um, I would do roller skating shows out front, and I'd charge admission, and I'd sell snacks um, that my mom, you know, wasn't aware that I was selling. So that was, <laughs> that was one thing. I would book like a year out, you know, I'll babysit overnight at nine for New Year's Eve, plan ahead. And Wow. Yeah, like who lets a nine-year-old watch? But they did back then. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh -huh. I was like, I'm yeah, plan ahead, people, because I got a business to run. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. And your yeah. mom was probably like, where's all our Swiss cake rolls going? Like, I just bought them the other yeah. day, and now they're gone. Exactly. I'm like, mm, yeah, I sold them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a very common thing. That's so cool. Yeah. So the beginning of Zifty, it yeah. was fresh. You were on the ground floor. So how did the growth happen? Was it due to need, or was there a strategy there, or...? Well, obviously, we needed we knew that we needed to do certain amount of orders a day, right, to make to get to out of the red. So there was the need for that, but we did it incredibly conservatively because we didn't want to take outside funding, and we were bootstrapping the whole thing. And so Todd and I wore almost all the hats for I mean for for a really long time. Uh, go, looking back, I probably wouldn't have done that for as long as that mm -hmm. we did, but we we grew very conservatively. And so imagine that. When we launched, we were only open at night. So he and I would business plan and figure things out during the day. And then he and I were the two delivery drivers at night. And we would watch like terrible reality television and then run back and see if we got an order and take turns <laughs> doing the deliveries. <laughs> so that went on for a while. And then we you know, would hire another person, another person kind of thing. So wow. that went on for a few years. Yeah. You were one of the first delivery services. I mean, I know you said Cosmo, and, and I don't even remember those delivery Cosmo, services, honestly. Yeah, Cosmo is based out of New York, and they're okay. in other big markets. And then Webvan was the whole grocery delivery. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah so. so now there's so many. I mean, you know, it's like more than you can count, I guess, on one hand. Yeah. How have you guys navigated the influx of competition? Well, the the nice part about being somewhere in a community for 10 years before your competition shows up is you really have an opportunity to establish yourself and build relationships with people and loyalty from either a corporate account perspective, restaurants have an amazing team of drivers. So while I'm, I'm not saying it was the most comfortable thing when, oh, here's this company, that company, they're yeah. all VC funded and not profitable, but can throw tons of money behind it. Um, we just stayed focused on what we do really well and we're comfortable in a certain niche mm -hmm. and and kept our heads down. You can't start getting into freak out mode. And you also have to understand that when competition arrives, there's going to be a little bit of time frame where it's the new shiny object. And so, you know, we had literally customers apologizing to us for trying Uber. <laughs> we're wow. like, it's okay, but you better come back. You right. Know? But yeah, so that's... You know, we just stay focused on what we do. And why, why do you think that they want to come back? What, how have you guys set up that business to where they would want to come back? Well, really the foundation, well, like I like to say before we could afford stamps, I mean, every single new customer from the beginning would get a handwritten thank you card. And so it was trying to really make a connection outside of just here's another email that you can get. And obviously like dot coms aren't typically the most warm and fuzzy, right? And so mm -hmm. we invested all of our money into 
our drivers for a really long time because they're the face of the company. So you've got these people who are happy to be working for you and they're having a nice exchange with somebody at the door and they're not calling and saying, hey, you need to come down here and get your stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and, um, and just really reinforcing like we need to double check the order. We need to be in a relationship with restaurants who want to be understand that that's an extension of them and are mm. just like oh well there goes the order i don't care if it's right or if it's wrong yeah you know and so you know redeliveries are very expensive they're a hassle to the customer so it's paying attention to all the details that are there's a ton of them and yeah. i think you know people tend to oversimplify food delivery mm. but there's a lot of factors and a lot of things that can go wrong i didn't even think too that you guys have a couple different customers or clients because you've got the restaurants right that you've got to have that trust with right and then also the people that you're delivering to right and you have to think about both of those needs or perspectives and we and and then the team of people that work for us like mm. every everyone needs to be cared for in the same way because mm. i feel like if if it's not in your business, then something's broken. If you're just spending all your money on the people who are, you know, paying you, there, I feel like things get lost in translation, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. Your your culture just goes south yeah. real quick. How do you um, how do you take care of your your um, employees? Like, what ways do you guys do that? We've we've done all kinds of things over the years, you know. And so one thing that we've that we did was we created almost a a spreadsheet of learning about people and learning, okay, if you were going to treat yourself, you know, and you only had $25, what would you do? Or 500 or describe your perfect day. And so it's not building a reward system that is kind of is just one size fits all. And so it's really getting to know the people who work for you and having them feel rewarded in a way that's personal to them. Hmm. Yeah, because everybody is so different with how they receive that affirmation or feeling like they're appreciated. Exactly. Some people love recognition. Some Mm -hmm. people find it highly embarrassing. You know, it, it you just it's I think it's good to tap into all that. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you to share with everyone that I know everyone's going to be super thrilled to hear about. <laughs> so you have a son. First of all, how old is he He's now? 10. He's 10. Oh my gosh. I know. That's so crazy. So crazy. Um, but when we talked and, you know, you're helping mentor, you were saying, okay, I am committing to working just six hours a day because obviously I have a son. I want to be there for him. Um, how have you been able to do that? Can you share the sure. secret or? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, first of all, it's not a law, right? Uh-huh. So, um, but it was really born out of working with Sean and I was doing the classic mistake of, you know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and let me read my email and start responding. And the next thing you know, it's 3am and, and she threw out there, well, what if you worked six hours a day? I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but then when I, when I started getting my head around it is how could I build it where I could be hyper-focused and organized and get things done in less amount of time because that, and it just gives me an opportunity to be completely present for seven. I'm a mm-hmm. single mom. I have, you know, his dad's incredible. Like we co-parent together yeah. and with his stepmom, but I want to be there. You know, the time goes by as everybody, you know, sounds like a cliche, but it's true. You know, I want to be present for his, I want to raise him. you know, mm-hmm. not somebody else. So, um, but it's just being organized and, and being okay with saying no to things and not having carrying around mom guilt mm-hmm. and, um, or just feeling like you have to be all things to everybody. It's just not realistic. Yeah. Did uh, your business suffer, do you feel like, or um, become less profitable when you did that? Not at all. I mean, I feel if you're running a company and you as a foundation feel full of energy and life and you're happy and you're engaged, 
there, there's nothing going to go south because mm-hmm. of that. But if you're feeling strung out and tired and overextended, um, that's that's the problem. Yeah. Do you think that it's more important to have like for you, you didn't go, OK, I'm going to create these systems so I can work six hours. Instead, you started and said, I'm going to work six hours and I'll figure out <laughs> it as I go. Is that kind of how it yeah, worked for you? I, yeah, it is. And I mean, the nice part is when I came to this, I'm going to try to embrace this process. It wasn't, you know, year one, two, three, four, five, you know, that we're mm-hmm. talking like this is year 10. So, you know, I've got an amazing team of people. I can work remotely from my laptop. I don't have to physically be, you know, in as many places as I did mm-hmm. when it was starting when we worked 16 hours a day. Right. So, you know, I don't want to paint the picture of, you know, year two. You yeah. Know, that, that's not it. <laughs> oh, good. Because <laughs> so, I'm yeah. like, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so, know how and, this and is going to happen. It's, it's more of a metaphoric statement almost at this point because as we launch into new markets or we have different projects going on of course there's many more hours put in but it's this idea of just trying to erase it in my head of hard work equals I was there for 12 hours Mm. when that's not necessarily true if you're distracted or tired or you can't focus and you're not actually getting things done because you're trying to do eight million things at once Mm -hmm. so it's more just about condensing and being hyper productive when Mm -hmm. you're doing it yeah so then you can be hyper focused when you're doing something else yeah so I always think too um when I know when I went through my first like divorce or whatever they my counselor was telling me you know you teach people how to treat you and I've been trying to even apply that to my work because I think, okay, Heidi, if you set that expectation that you are available, but after 6 p.m., you're not going to be available, then that teaches people, okay, great, I need to make sure that I talk to her, get her before 6 p.m. That has not happened. I have not applied that, (laughs) but I'm trying to work it through in my own mind. Well, it doesn't happen until at least we can plant a seed in there, right? Right. Right. Um, It's a very small seed. Yeah, I I understand. (laughs) um, I just think that boundaries are incredibly healthy, but when you're someone who some might say I like to be in control. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it doesn't come naturally because you're like, I can get it done. I'll do it. I'll handle everything. And that's just at a certain point, it's not healthy and it's actually not fair to the people around you either. Right. Are you a type awesome? That's what I say for type A. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Yes. I will not say I'm type A I know, anymore. That, yes. Yeah, I'm type awesome. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> At least four days a week. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what is one of the biggest mistakes that you feel like you made early on? Well, we could have probably had a show just about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the beginning um, – you're much more hands-on with everyone that works for you. And so it makes it, it made it a lot harder for me to fire people. And I would get emotionally invested in kind of the backstory or maybe excused behavior that wasn't good for the rest of the team or certainly not good for the company and tolerate things that Mm -hmm. just aren't in line with what I should have been doing. And so taking way too long to kind of cut the cord when it would have been better for everybody. Right. That is and really that took tough. a while to, yeah, to get there. I'm sure. If someone else has this idea or thinking, I, yeah, I've, I want to jump on this business idea, um, what advice would you give them for starting out? I would say immediately get rid of the idea that you're going to perfectly design what you're about to launch. Don't even make that a goal. It makes some lists and just find a starting point. You're 
most likely going to feel uncomfortable no matter how planned out you make this thing. Mm-hmm. And you they just create a jumping off point because you're constantly going to be in learning mode and adjusting. And so, I mean, we're 15 years in and we'll still look at each other and say, well, that was a first. And so, <laughs> you know, and we still operate wow. very much in a startup mode. And I think that's one way that keeps us competitive is we're not completely married to this is how we do things. Mm-hmm. And so um, it keeps you kind of fluid and aware and agile. Right. And so when you're starting something, it's and also, I wouldn't look for validation from all your friends and your family. Um, I would listen to your gut. I'm a lover of lists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't compromise on, okay, once these five things are in line, I'm just going to go for it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not going to ever, this magical day isn't going to arrive and be like, yeah. and today I shall open my door. <laughs> you know, so, um, and it's scary. But yeah. I love that kind of scary because yeah. it means I'm about to do something I haven't done before. Yeah. And um, that's exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. As far as leading a team, um, what do you think makes a good leader? I think a good leader is someone that, one, is checks their ego at the door. Two, is completely comfortable with hiring people smarter than they are and loves to collaborate. Mm-hmm. And so uh, those those are the three things that I gravitate towards when I look for a mentor or bosses mm-hmm. I've had in the past. And that's how I try to behave as a boss now. Yeah. Yeah. Do people that are your drivers, do they ever come to you with like thinking like, oh, I had this great idea um, that we can maybe implement? Does that ever happen? Or Yeah. Over the course of, of 15 years, most sure. certainly, we've had lots of drivers come to us and w- we, you know, have our quote unquote suggestion box and we learn because they're out on the road. I mean, right. we did deliveries for a long time, but, you know, as the city has grown and we haven't done that and time goes on. Yeah. Tons of feedback from both the drivers, our customer and restaurant support team. So mm-hmm. th- that's very welcomed. And yeah. we try to, you know, respond and implement it where, you know, it makes sense and mm-hmm. we can. So. Um, I just I just listened to well read. Uh, my husband always makes fun of me because I listen to Audible, and so I say I read it, but he's like, "Well, technically, you listen to it, but whatever." <laughs> um, but I yeah. listened to the book about um, Pixar and their whole the the corporate environment and stuff. It's called Creativity Inc. It's really great. But he was talking about how they did make this change where they realized that people that are just in the day to day have so much ideas, and they actually dedicated this whole day to allowing them to have this platform to be able to share those ideas. And I thought, that is so great. I don't think I even ever thought of it. I mean, we're not to that point where we do have, you know, employees are kind of on the ground floor like you do. Um, But I actually, I thought of you and I thought if there's anybody that would probably really welcome that and create this culture where people do feel comfortable to share their ideas and suggestions, then it would be with you and Zifty, you know. That makes me feel good. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) I mean, I, I do... Todd and I are both dedicated to keeping an open door mm-hmm. policy in an environment of, you know, give us your feedback. Tell us what you think. What what are you experiencing and adjusting where, where we can and where right. it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So where do you think that the food delivery service, where is that going to go in the future? Are well, we going to just be able to beam us up? <laughs> beam pretty much, yeah. Up? Uh, drones, <laughs> uh, driverless cars. I think that it, you know, it's more and more you're seeing it in B and C markets. You know, smaller cities are having the same kind of access that, you know, when everything typically is like New York, L.A., Chicago, Atlanta. So I think you'll see it everywhere. And then another interesting take is you're 
starting to see restaurants that are opening strictly for delivery. They're not open to the public at all. So they're designed strictly about to be available for on-demand. Yeah. And so um, that's been happening for a little while in New York, but now you're starting to see it in other markets, which hmm. that's a interesting take because if you think about it, you know, their cost is much lower. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see how sustainable that mm. is. And I think it's helpful when it's a brand somebody already knows. Right. Um, and so and the consumer may not even be aware that it's coming out of just strictly a kitchen. Yeah. So but that's that's a trend we're starting to see. Huh. Yeah. Is that going to affect Zifty then or? I mean, you we know? would basically we would work them work with them just as if they were a regular restaurant, ah, you know. Gotcha. But just sure. in, from the end user perspective, it's not any hire. different. It's just, yeah, yeah, interesting. It's just like kitchen staff and you know, right. food costs. That's it, huh? And not the huge overhead of having to have the full yeah. scaled restaurant. Um, as a female business leader, what are some ways that we can make a positive change in the workplace as females? Well, one thing I had to learn because um, I've seen this over the years is even with Todd and I, you know, being meetings together where I'm making decisions about some things and and it, the decision will, they'll be looking at him and only making eye contact with Todd. And it's like, well, I'm like, what year is this? Yeah. You know, and so, and he's he's great in the sense that he's like, he'll quickly redirect me like, actually, you need to be talking to Jen about these things. So mm-hmm. um, in light of that, it's not allowing yourself to be small or make yourself smaller to make other people more comfortable um, and being vocal and supportive to everyone in your workforce. And I've always, if someone says to me, whether they find me on LinkedIn or used to work for me four years ago and they say, hey, I'd love to have coffee or I'd love to have a, a cocktail, I'm always open to that. And I, I genuinely have open, real conversations, not this, you know, oh, you know, I own this company in, since 2003 <laughs> and it's wonderful. I'm like, these are the really hard parts yeah. and this is what was really scary and still scary. And just having these, being vulnerable is not a strong suit of mine. And um, after working with Sean and kind of learning more of the the value of that and kind of the return you get, I've tried to be more vulnerable, which doesn't mean you're not powerful. And I kind mm-hmm. of always looked at it like the opposite. Yeah. And so the more honest and open you are, I think the more comfortable you make the environment of everybody who's working for you. Hmm. So true. So well, not easy, no. <laughs> but important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Jen, thank you so much for being here and on the podcast and sharing your wisdom and experience. I so appreciate it. And of course, it was good to see you. Yeah, too. good to see you too. <laughs> and thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. As a Georgia peach, she loves pleasing people. So she wants to know how she can improve the show. So let her know either on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Heidi Rue. Also be kind because she's my wife. And if she has a bad day, then I'm really going to hear about it. 